So we are in Collins Conversations. I always let the guests introduce themselves, let everybody know who you are, a little bit about what you do, and kind of what brought you here today. All right. Uh, peace, guys. Uh, my name's Zachary Collins, government name, alert. <laughs> my, everyone calls me Mellow. I rap under the name Mellow Man Funk. Got a bunch of different aliases, but um, yeah, I'm a graphic artist, an entrepreneur. I make music, do design for you know different people in the cities, flyers, CD covers, etc. And recently, I've started a brand of rolling papers called Shway Papers, 100% organic hemp, featuring different cool designs based on pop culture, you know, based on different people that I collab with, their brands, and you know anything else I can think of that's cool and interesting to look at while you uh, smoke. No. Absolutely. I'm, I'm always interested in every entertainer. How, how did you come up with the, the, the stage name? How, how did you go mellow? You got a whole bunch of different monikers. Did, did you give that to yourself? Did it kind of somebody else give it to you? How did the, the stage name occur? Um, well, I named myself mellow because I, I was always just, you know, kind of laid back, chill, go with the flow type of person. And then I rapped on the mellow for a while. And then I changed my name to Mellow Exact in 2017 when I really kind of you know, try to take it seriously as a musician and exact was my original artist tag. So I just wanted to merge the art and the music that I do and just be mellow exact. But then circa probably last year or maybe two years ago, I started realizing exact the way I spelled it was just a little too hard to spell. You know what I'm saying? You want to be a musician and you want people to be easy, able to like look up your stuff and all that. So I just went with Mellow Man Funk one because I always put funk in my music like that's just kind of something I call my music my music is like the funk it might not be like funk music per se but like funk is more of a feeling you know what I mean right. so and the mellow man is comes from me paying homage to my favorite lyricist red man so mellow man funk that's what you got these days absolutely and uh what when did music start for you has it kind of always been ingrained in you was it something that kind of came later in life Oh, yeah. Um, well, no, it's always been there because my mom, you know, I think I got a good spectrum of uh, influence because first my mother had me when she was 40, meaning she was born in the 50s. So I had that Motown influence like Diana Ross, Marvin Gaye, you know, Curtis Mayfield, Isaac Hayes, all that good stuff. But then, you know, I also have two older brothers who, you know, since my mother's older, they're older. They're 20 years older than me, you know, so... But I got two brothers, and they're both on the different type of music. Like, my oldest brother, he's into the more lyrical, conscious rap, like, you know, Tyler Quilly, The Roots, Common, everyone you saw at Dave Chappelle's Block Party type, you know what I mean? And um, my other brother, he's more into, like, the gangster rap, the old school, like, Eazy-E, N.W.A., Ice Cube, Tupac, you know, Biggie, all the, you know, that type of stuff. So I got, I was able to, you know, be exposed to all types of hip-hop and a whole bunch of other type of music that was just way before my time. You know, I, I could kind of once you say that, like as people describe stuff like that, I'm always trying to like think about your catalog. I'm like, all right, I could kind of see a little bit of that. Like when I would listen to a lot of your stuff, like I definitely hear like the East Coast, like, like once you said like Red Man, Method Man were in your tops, mm -hmm. like it totally makes sense. Like it kind of goes with the sound, and then uh, especially like the Mike Dusty Loops has a, a lot, lot of real East Coast type sounds to the beats. Oh yeah, that's my man. Can I shout out Mike Dusty Loops real quick? Absolutely, we're, we're already going. To, uh, we got a segment where we go name dropping, so let's go straight into that. First one, um, what we like to do in the name dropping segment is kind of a shout out who they are, kind of what they do, and then kind of give us the behind the scenes story of like how did you guys come to meet and becomes where you are today. So the first one we'll go with Mike Dusty Loops. Mm -hmm. 
Like Dusty Lou, that's my man. Um, people think we've known each other since we were kids. We met about three, maybe uh, four, three or four years ago. And the way we met is, I was just on Instagram one day on my story, and I'm just like, I need beats, y'all. Producers, reach out. I need beats. I need inspiration. And no one really hit me back, except for this dude, Mike, who apparently had known about me for years, like going to see me in shows and stuff, you know, and all that, just going dolo to hip-hop shows and just trying to see who the best rappers were in the city. And, you know, he hadn't really, he just started making beats, honestly, and he just started kind of trying to see who he wanted to work with. So he reached out to me, sent me a beat. It was very reminiscent of, like, the old-school hip-hop type shit that I like to listen to and, like, you know, like to rap on. And I always used to tell people I always wanted to make a very classic Golden Era sound in hip-hop album. So when I heard that beat, I was like, shit. So I heard it, and I just wrote some shit to it. I wrote a long-ass verse, recorded it, like, just on my phone and posted it on Instagram just for people to see, just some content. He saw that and, like, fucking spit his food out because, like, that was the first <laughs> time anyone's ever rapped to his beats or anything. He was like, man, it's crazy. You want to link up? He was like, yeah, and we happened to just live, like, maybe 10 minutes from each other in Cleveland Heights. So we linked up, and we were on the same mindset. We liked the same type of music. We both collect wax and... Yeah, man, we've been rocking ever since, bro. We've been making made like four projects, you know. We went to South by Southwest together, shows, just rocking out. You know what I mean? That's my man. Uh, and somebody that uh, hasn't heard of him before, how, how would you describe uh, his style of music and all, all that he's doing? Because he doesn't just make beats, he's also rapping and kind of does the whole, whole spectrum, doesn't he? Well, he can rap. He doesn't rap. He actually doesn't like to rap. But he did drop that song, Cheeto Does, with the video, and people went crazy over it. He should rap. We always try to tell him, or he just... He doesn't, he's not that type of guy, he's more like hands-on, like to make the beats, right. you know what I'm saying? And like, just right now, raps is just kind of frustrating for him almost, but it's something he's really good at, and, and you know, he's good at freestyling and all that, but yeah, mainly, he's a, he makes beats, you know what I mean? He DJs, you know, he has a, a weekly at the B-side now, first one is this Friday, it's called Dust That Night, and he loves spinning wax, he has the one of the biggest record collection of people my age that I know, so, you know, it's going to be a different vibe, but he really likes to do a lot of hip-hop, you know, Dusty Loops this thing, you'll take samples, you'll take the drum breaks and just kind of make a new, uh, old soul with a modern sound type of thing, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's Dusty Loops, man. Yeah, the uh, that Cheeto song, uh, it screamed like an action Bronson, the way that his voice kind of comes on it. Mm. Like, it's it just like a, a, anything, like you said, it's amazing how many people have the talent or have the, the capability, but whether it's a confidence or just time, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're mm -hmm. spinning wax and you're doing everything else. Like, do you have time to focus on the rapping? Um, an another one, the next one that we're going to do on your name dropping little segment is, what can you tell us about uh, Blockhead Johnny? That's my man's actually for life. Like, I've known him since I was born. It's funny because I'm his uncle. Mm -hmm. He's two years older than me. So I was born an uncle, and he is the nephew I was born with. And we literally just grew up together, you know what I'm saying, from skateboarding, playing Pokemon, you know, going to the parks, running around, just being kids. And we kind of started making beats at the same time. He progressed way better. We started rapping at the same time, you know what I'm saying. And, I mean, he lives with me now. We still make music together. So, yeah, that's, that's my man forever. And I've known him. He's probably, like, my oldest best friend, you know what I'm saying, longest best friend, Blackhead Johnny. And on his hard drives, how many how many classics would you say are just sitting on a hard drive somewhere in that dude's collection? Oh, <laughs> too fucking many. I'd say I'd say at least twelve albums worth, and I'm talking full length albums. And Johnny, don't think I'm not coming for that hard drive. I'm coming for that hard drive, and I'm dropping. I'm leaking everything. <laughs> dragging your feet, boy. 
I think beats, like you said, kind of like the same way with um, with uh, Dusty Loops. Kind of people know him more for the beats, and then you know he came out with TSA, did the project with uh, Scuff Mixon, and you're like, this dude could rap. Oh, rap his ass off! Hell yeah! No, Johnny's just as good as a rapper as he is a producer as he is as an engineer. That dude's like just a jack of three trades. That's just <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah, John's and he can draw. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've seen like the common stuff he drew, like the little devil head on the back, like. John's bad talented, and the world about to see it very soon. As an artist, how, how do you like how things are going towards just streaming opposed to CD sales and things like that? Um, I like it. It's a different switch. But, you know, when me and Mike first started doing shit, we were making so much music, and we was using all samples, and we were just like, we can't sell this shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. We can't really upload it because we just, you know, we didn't think it was going to get a million streams like and nothing like that, but we just didn't want, like, as we grew the music to start getting more, you know, streams, and then we right. came for it. So we just like, we just going to go the old school route, and we would make press-up CDs, and we still got CDs that we didn't be able to sell because of COVID, but... I like the switch, you know what I'm saying? I like the being able to stream thing. I like being able to pay ten dollars a month to hear everything, you know what right. I'm saying? So I'm not mad at it. You gotta just it's an adjustment period. You mentioned CDs. Have you tried uh, like an idea that I've thrown out to a lot of artists to kind of see what what you guys think about it? How does my marketing brain hit with hit your music brain? Mm -hmm. And instead of doing a CD, because I mean, you buy a new car nowadays and you can't even get a CD player. Have you thought about doing like a, a flash drive of like all your discography d videos, like pretty much like the whole fan experience all in a DVD? I mean, you're doing a show, you sell a flash drive for 15, 20 bucks instead of a CD for 10. Have you thought about doing anything like that? I have. Um, I thought about it. I think people, you know, give somebody a flash drive. They, just as much as they don't have a CD player, they might not have something where they can just plug a flash drive in and listen as well. I mean, if they have a laptop, they can, you know, go and do their old thing. But I think the best way these days, like flash drive is definitely something innovative and cool, especially if you can get some cool looking ones. You know, I just think the better way is to, you know, QR codes, QR mm -hmm. code it up on the best on the best way you can. You know what I'm saying? Like if I make my own custom papers, which I definitely will eventually, I'll put a QR code on there for anybody to check out because I feel like everyone got their phone on them all the time. Right. Nothing to pull a camera out. But I definitely, I mean, I've definitely thought of the flash drive thing, but I just, I just something we never really delved into. Yeah, I feel like maybe if last year was open up like it was supposed to, we might have tried to do something like that. Um, you got a website for uh, the Feng Shui Papers. Do you have one for your music stuff? I had one, but then, you know, with the name switch and COVID kind of taking everything, take it back, the music take a back seat, I mean, I haven't had a chance to redo it. I probably won't redo the website until me and Mike drop our official debut album, mm -hmm. you know, which is coming very hopefully at the end of this year. It's already about almost two years in the making. It's, we're working on the best music we've made in our whole career, so we just trying to take our time with it, baby it so it's like fucking perfect. So I feel like that's when the time we'll come out with a full Feng Shui Records website where we sell all our old merch, preview, I mean, display our new music and our artists. And yeah, we're going, we were going to rebrand like crazy, but it's really probably going to be with the drop of the Feng Shui album that's coming out. Um, I think the song I was talking about, I think I finally found it, is What I Rep. Uh, that's actually not my song. That's Vince the Wee, man. He's actually on Funk. She's on Funk Shui with me. He's my man. I went to uh, high school with him, and we've been rocking for a minute now. That explains why. I, in my head, it was the same thing, because it was on the uh, the best of the Funk Shui. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
or anything. I mean, that's that's basically, you know, it's not my song, but that's my crew, man. That's my camp, and he's featuring Gutty Mac on there, who's also a Cleveland native. He just they just did a show at the Shway Brunch last Saturday. They did that song. Everybody loves when they do that song at the B side because they shout it out and shit. So yeah, no, they were shouting out a bunch of Cleveland shit, man. Just trying to rep the city and. I, that's one of the, my favorite songs of the year. Well, even though it's not your song, we're going to still go with what I was going to do off of that. Being that you are, are always repping Cleveland everywhere you go, I want to throw a couple different uh, type of things to do, type of events, type of venues, type things, and I want you to let me know as a Clevelander or somebody that's coming to visit where are the places they should go for these type of things. Um, if somebody wanted to see live music, where's the best place in the Cleveland area to go? Are we talking now? Before COVID like presu presuming that like things are are open again and life is almost back to normal, um, and assuming you know that places haven't gone out of business and anywhere that's still in business today. Right. I would definitely say for live music. I would definitely say the Grog Shop and B Side. That's where I got my start at. It's where a bunch of artists, yo, a lot of our favorite artists got their start at. You know, when they were on their first press runs and press tours, they all come through the Grog Shop. And, you know, that's where you want to see some local talent and some bigger names that, you know, Sam might, you know, need to have a smaller house to pack. It's very intimate still, but it can fit a lot of people, especially if there's no limits on how many people can be there. But there's also places like um, the Agora, you know, a really big venue. Jam bands can go there. Rock bands like big legendary acts can go there. And then you, I don't know if the House of Blues is still open. It is still open because I know I've heard a few shows that are coming back soon. So, yeah, House of Blues, of course, that's just, you know, everybody knows House of Blues. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of smaller dive bars, places like Not As Class on the west side. You know what I mean? They they allow people to smoke in there, which is always cool. And, um, uh yeah, I, but me, I'm going to say Grog Shop. Right. That's my favorite. That's who I'm going to ride for. That's my number one. That's what I'm going to say every time. That's all fam in there, too. And uh, somebody wants to get the best chicken wings. Where are they, they going to go? East side, west side? See, I'm an east sider, for sure. And, <coughs> well, I do know a lot of things going on on the west side. Um, I'm going to say Kim's Wings every single time. You live very close to one of them. Very close to one of them. Not not the original, but you, you could get the same food. It's all the same recipe. That shit is amazing. Best wings I've had by far. I don't care where it's at, what city I'm in. I, no one's beat Kim's for me yet, so I'm still waiting. I, I got to get a new air fryer. Ever since I bought an air fryer, ours recently died, I don't know, a couple months ago. But there's no better chicken wing than a homemade air fryer with buffalo sauce. Oh, yeah. Air fryers and change the game. And uh, if, if somebody wanted to go at, at a late night after a show, say you're leaving Grog Shop, where's a good place to go get something to eat? See, that's a little, that's a little tougher, actually. Because um, a lot of places do close at a certain point. Because most of the 24-hour spots are like Waffle House, Denny's, and those are all, you know, cool. I would... I know we used to go to Denny's. Denny's to stay open all night, all day, all night, and it's cheap. It's decent food, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely on the drunk side. So I would say either Waffle House or Denny's, but I'm going to lead more towards Denny's. And is that kind of what made you guys start? Because you guys are also kind of pioneer, not pioneers, but definitely uh, innovators in the way that you guys are incorporating food with the different types of events. You got, uh, is it Chef Diego? Oh, that's uh, my man. Um, but is that kind of, was that an influence of why you guys included a chef? So that way you didn't have to worry about afterwards. People could get the drinks at the bar. They could get a little bit of food. It's like a all one-stop shop at your show. I don't think that's why we did it. I just think we love Diego's food. He's one of the <laughs> best chefs I've ever met in my life. You know what I'm saying? 
man. He makes great food. And it goes good with drinks. It goes good with, you know, the show environment. And we just wanted, you know, help him get a spot to get his name and his um his talents out there like we getting ours out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I like that you guys have kind of like the collective feel of we, we got a, a group of guys that are all talented in different directions and how can we kind of put everybody's strengths together all on one venue so it's not or one, one ticket so it's not, you know, everybody having to go get their own thing. It's kind of we all eat together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, like the Shway brunch we had on Saturday, you know, definitely try to break bread with every single person that had something to do with it from the people who opened the show or people who performed. Diego definitely got his, you know, people helping us work the merch tables. You know, we try to make sure everybody gets a cut so everybody wants to come out and, you know, work the next one or be a part of the next one. And everybody's seen to have a good time, too. So it's all love. I feel like when you give that love out, you're going to get it back. And as, as an artist and as a businessman, what are some ways, um, I mean, you guys seem to have a nice tap-in at the Grog Shop, but what are some ways to kind of create a new relationship with a venue or with uh, some sort of business to kind of get your brand out there and kind of get shows and get more money into the, the musician side of it? Um, I think it's just, you know, politic and networking, meeting people. I mean, these Shway papers have definitely helped open a lot of doors, you know, especially I've, I've been definitely wanting to approach different companies in Cleveland and different places and like just kind of offer them their own custom papers just to build and start that relationship so it's all different ways you just got to be innovative and you got to be you know personable you got to be a people person and you got to be able to sell your your stuff and believe in it because if you don't then nobody will I was just said that the about two hours before you got here, I was on a call with an author who really didn't want to put her face out there for the brand, but has a book coming out. And I was like, you really have to understand that you're not just selling a book. You have to sell yourself and make people interested in why should I support this person opposed to that person with so much content being out there. And if exactly like you said, if you if you don't believe that this your product is the best, why should I believe it? And then on top of believe you, give you my hard-earned money when there's so many other products out there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's for damn sure, man. Yeah, she should definitely. I think it's with social media. It's not. It's less about selling the product and more it is selling your story. Yeah, you know I mean? and being. I think that's why you're able to do so many other things as an entrepreneur, not just an entertainer, is because you're you're able to tell a story through music, but you're mm -hmm. also able to build the experience and and figure out how to monetize what you're trying to do. Yes, sir. Um, and you mentioned build relationships. I always like to give gifts to the people. We normally do that in the beginning of the show, but go ahead and open that up. That was made by somebody that was previously on the show. Um, it's it's not papers, but it'll definitely go with your paper bag. Hey, is this a uh, can uh, like a beer opener or like a candle? Yeah, we got the Collins Conversations logo oh, on there. Oh shit! Uh, that's, that's made crazy. by Twisted Willow Fabrications out of New York. Uh, Doug Mothersell was on the on the podcast. Uh, my wife and I actually drove up there to see him and ended up sending me a whole bunch of those afterwards. But they do all sorts of custom metalwork. So it's a zone design. Send them up the logo and press it on there. You can leave that outside. It won't rust. It won't bust. You can break the table before that thing will break. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. Absolutely. That's definitely going to have a spot in my crib because we always need a can opener, a bottle opener, I mean. You know what I mean? And, uh, just the same way we were talking earlier, you know, the way that musicians should be going. If you're making m music about partying and whatnot, why wouldn't you have papers or bottle openers? And, you know, mm -hmm. it, if people are going to buy it anyways, why not have your logo on it? So, when, so if, like you said, if that ends up in your house, who knows how many people will see it? See w it. What's Collins Conversations? And that starts the thing. Oh, it's this podcast I was just mm -hmm. on. You go down to this dude's basement and you get locked in, in the basement and maybe he <laughs> lets you out. You know what maybe. I mean? Maybe. If you have a good <laughs> conversation, if not, you're going to get it right. Right. You're going to get it right or you, you don't get to go home. 
Unfortunately, that's how you get the, the get the gold. Stress <laughs> and stress. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, that's hard though, man. And that's like the same thing what I was saying with the papers. Now, if this is at my crib, somebody see it, and then you meet them later, you don't know, tell them what you do. You're like, oh yeah, I definitely heard of that before. I seen right. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's all about brand identity, brand recognition, and the same way. At once he sent me those, since I do business cards and different print materials for people, I sent them. He sent those with these really uh, super basic, like Microsoft Word, like printer paper type business cards that were in them and i was like no nah, man let, let, let. you gave me such a good bottle opener took the time to make a quality mm -hmm. you know pr quality product went and made, made them up some plastic ones so it's not as hard as the metal but you know i mean you get the little ding ding with the business card yep. give those to the big big clients mm -hmm. you know it's all about having the different marketing materials and you know all those fun things can i ask you a quick question yeah do you think it would be the possible one or cool if you could engrave a QR code on here. That would be hard. Yeah, you could do that. That would be sick. Yeah, it's, it's QR codes are funny to me how they've been around for like 20 years and they're finally just now becoming, I think because it's become so integrated in cell phones now, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of made its resurgence. When they came out, it wasn't really, you know, feasible to use them. But now it's like, oh, that's easy scan. Right, I got you. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought it was a new thing, low key. Yeah, I, I believe, uh, didn't you have a big, uh, at the show that you did uh, with Blockhead and Scuff, and uh, didn't you have a big one that you held up? Mm -hmm. Yep, that was last year, yep. I knew about them before then, but I thought they just came out maybe within the last maybe like seven to eight years, and I was just getting hip to them maybe the last two or three. Yeah, but like I'm saying, like the fact that you had it, you're so far ahead of the game, and you realize, you know, why you still have everybody's attention, hold it up, like, hey, this will be over at the merch table, or go ahead and scan this, and that takes opens the door to anywhere you want to go. Exactly. That shit was mind-blowing when I seen it. I've been seeing it around for a long time. Honestly, now that I think about it, but I never really knew what it was. The other one, uh, I, I don't have it on my phone at the moment, uh, but th they have this stick-on thing called Popple. Have you heard of those? Mm -mm. There's a lot of different ones, but I'll get you a link for Popples. They're really affordable, and it kind of they have a three dollar or four dollar a month service that essentially is like a premium Linktree bio. But what this thing does is you stick it to the back of your phone, and when you meet somebody in public, you put it up to the back of their phone, and it's essentially a physical version of a QR code. Okay. But they also have ones that you could you know put in your wallet or a wristband, so that you, all you got to do is go tap somebody's phone, and then it'll instantly come up with all your links and whatnot. That's some futuristic. We really live in the future bro it's just crazy it, it's it's all how open you want to be to searching shit on the internet and if if you could think about it somebody's putting it to work mm -hmm. yeah. which on the internet let's get into before we waste too much more time i want to i want to learn the full story behind the shway papers how, how how did you come up with the name for them let's start with the origin of that uh funk shway has been the record label for you know the past two three years so drop funk off that shway it just sounds cool i want to start putting it on everything but i knew i wanted to get into the weed industry, you know, on some different shit. I, I'm a graphic artist, you know what I'm saying? And I just figured, I just, I wanted to do trays and all that type of stuff mm. at first. And I was like, man, those are already customized as fuck, you know what I'm saying? You can find a new cool-ass tray everywhere you go. So, and they were kind of expensive from what I was looking up. Like, it was just kind of expensive to create at first. And I didn't have that much startup money for whatever I wanted to do. I've always started little business ventures with my art, you know, ever since I've been doing this. But, um, yeah, I didn't want to do trades for my various reasons. Same with grinders and all that. And I'm just looking 
and then you know what this idea actually came from is about a three week period i was smoking just terrible weed i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i was smoking shit weed i wasn't getting high i already have a high tolerance so i'm just like this shit is not I'm, i don't even think i can get high no more and i end up stumbling across some really good weed and all these thoughts i'm having about trays and everything how i'm gonna make shit work whatever i'm like i'm just smoking this good ass bag and i'm just like papers bro they all look the same raw paper they got a million of them but they all look the same you know easy wire every pack you see is the same what if i take my artistic talent put them on different packs of papers just come up with like different designs and collections pretty much and you know i found it i found out it's not really expensive to make papers because it's just paper you know what i'm saying a little what i don't know is that cardboard or whatever that is so you know what i'm saying i just figured you know card stock and i just I put the I put the two and two together and just started making designs. Made my first designs, brought them out, and just start giving them to people. You know what I'm saying? Start I didn't sell them at all. I was like, here, take that, take that. What you think? What you think? That? What you think? That? What you think? That? And they're like, damn, these are hard as fuck. Like people really like them. Like this shit is crazy as fuck. Like people start posting them. I'm on Instagram, just going heavy on it. You know, so it's starting to build traction. And then the big step was when I, you know, my man Lee, who's just a very popular guy in the city, and he's one of my one of my best friends. You know, really good friend of mine. And you know, he's heavy in the weed culture. He, you know, he goes smoke weed with everyone in the city. So I was like, I'm gonna make this dude his own papers. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I made him his own papers. He got them. He was like, man. That's like when I posted them papers. That's like the most likes I ever got on a post ever. <laughs> I was like, hey, people loved them, bro. And like that gave people the idea to be like, hit him up, man. Can I get my own custom papers? Because at first I was gonna be try to be kind of like really selective on who I did collabs with. Like I only want to do it for my peoples and like people I decided to do it with. But people, so many people just kept coming at me. I'm like, I can't deny. It. Like it's gonna be. It's already a business now. Like I can't not do it. Anyone who I see is not bad people. You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm not gonna do it with bad. I wouldn't do it with like a fucking white supremacist group. I wouldn't do that. But you know, anybody I think is cool people. They got a business or brand. They trying to promote or push or whatever. I should collab with them. I got the skills. Sometimes they come with art of their own. Sometimes they come with logos and different things they want incorporated. And I touch it all up. You know, template wise. And I do my thing on it. Sometimes I'm very you know, into the artwork. Sometimes my, I do very minimal, but I always touch the template and just make sure it's different and cool looking every time. So, and then we get it made, they get it out, they post it, they pass them out, they sell them, whatever they want to do with it. And, you know, it's just been a cool ass journey, man. It's been a cool ass journey ever since I started. It's really cool when you can turn something you do in your everyday life into your business. Absolutely. I've lived that life ever since I was 20, 21. Mm -hmm. I start, you know, I was working that I, tr I worked, sold everything from computers to insurance to uh, dog food, every job you could have. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until I started working with a buddy of mine doing landscaping that I realized I was like, I could get a truck, I could go get a lawnmower and all this little equipment. And instead of me making the $10 an hour, I could make the 40 Exactly. You know, the so you learn the skill, you learn how to get, you acquire the tools, the resources the same way, you know, you, you didn't, you started, probably started off with paper and then moved to a computer and mm -hmm. realized, you know, how to put together the PSDs and everything. But mm -hmm. yeah, the, to, I'd rather work. 12 extra hours to do that or to get into the marketing business uh, where I know that I had the skills to keep myself employed for 10 plus years doing landscaping and mm -hmm. all the small business marketing. Why wouldn't I then be able to take that and sell that as a product to small businesses Oh yeah. and then not have to worry about, you know, my lawnmower broke or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like as long as I got internet connection, I could work. 
Exactly. It's all, and that's, you need multiple streams of revenue, bro. Absolutely. It's law in 2021 on forward. You know what I'm saying? Because why would you have one? COVID really showed us that if you have one stream of revenue, anything could come on and just be like, nah, you can't work for the next six months. You know what I'm saying? That's why I bought this house. We were living over in uh, Pine Ridge Apartments in Willoughby. Mm-hmm. We were paying almost $1,000 a month for rent. Luckily, you know, luckily I had enough saved up. I was able to, you know, straight up purchase a, a shitty house and make it nice. Mm-hmm. But to know that taxes are 150 bucks a month instead of a thousand dollar rent in case the world shuts down like it, we, we could cover basic utilities in the time shit shuts down just making small money you know that's true and same same like you said you either have to have more more revenue sources or figure out how to cut down spending to mm-hmm. live the life that you want to live yep and if your life you want to live is has nothing to do with cutting out spending it actually probably includes spending more than you just got to generate more absolutely uh, you said your buddy Lee. Is that Loudly LaFleur on Instagram? That's my man. And I, I was just going through his thing while you were saying that. And every time that he posts with Shway papers or a Shway shirt is at least four to five times more the likes and engagement of any other post that he has on there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean that, he's the man. And uh, his Instagram, I'm glad that I pulled that up because uh, you recently had a run-in with uh, the weed legend Afro Man, didn't you? Yeah, man. That was Lee again. He was like, hey, bro, it's this Afro Man show, man. You want to go down there? Like... I was like, yeah, I'll go see Afro Man. Why not? It's, we go to Michigan all the time. We got a homie out there, uh, homeboy Creo, man. He's just the dude, bro. He knows everything with the weed culture out there. He real tapped in with the music culture, I believe. He was once signed to, like, I don't know. I don't want to say it wrong, but I think he was signed to Brick Squad at one point, or he was affiliated with them. He's, like, a little older than us. So, like, you know, he's just a real cool dude, real OG. And we you would go out and just see him and kick with him sometimes. And we hear him. I'm like, yo, what you doing on this date? He sent us the Afro Man flyer. He's like, this is where I'm going to be. I'm like, oh, shit. So we definitely got to go now. And, uh, yeah, we got there, and Creole was actually hosting the event. He helped throw it. And, um... He saw Afro Man, he's one of the coolest dudes. He's just walking around with this funky ass outfit on, just mingling. And then we see this line of people just start to, you know, form, like to meet him. And we just got in it because I was waiting on my homegirl to come down there. And, um, yeah, we just felt we had to kill time anyway. So, chilling there. And then we get into the front and realizing that, oh shit, these people paid $100 to meet Afro Man. Like, we didn't. We just in the line and we had different color wristbands and everybody. But,. I think everybody was so high that no one just gave a <laughs> shit. So we yeah, we got me Afro Man, gave him some papers, you no, know, took that flick and that was that. He did a great ass show. 